Welcome to Around the Carousel, the official podcast of the Outdoor Amusement Business Association, with your host, OABA's president and CEO, Greg Chico. Today, we are joined with McGowan Allied Specialty Insurance's Drew Tewksbury. Now, reach on up for that brass ring and join us for Around the Carousel. Good morning, Drew. Welcome to Around the Carousel, the podcast series of circling our industry from the OABA. It's a it's a pleasure to have you with us here today. How are you doing? Greg, I'm well. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. I uh, always enjoy talking this industry and especially uh, getting to spend some time with you. That's a good thing. Yeah, in our podcast series, we're trying to be as diverse as we can. So you're the you're the first insurance guy on uh, to talk about insurance, and and of course we're going to talk about you know your company and and what you've done and what you're doing in the future. But Drew, why don't you just give us a real quick uh, overview of your career path? I think it's a pretty interesting one, and uh, what gets you to where you are today? Well, I tell you, what gets me here today is just being surrounded by a a great team of people along the way, and and folks who supported the process and the path. It, it all started candidly back in 2003. I've been doing insurance for 25 years, back to 96 or whatever it is. But in 2003, I ran, began a stint of five years as a chairman of a fair in, in our festival in our local town. And that involved booking in a ride company, uh, bringing in 20 plus rides and you know food trailers and games and the whole nine yards. And I got elbow deep into that world. And started to see that there, there may be an opportunity to, to create a niche business. And in 06, we started our first program insuring inflates and rentals, ended up selling that in 2012 after we acquired another company getting into the fixed park business. And uh, that just grew and grew and grew. And then in 2000, late 18, 19, we, uh, we were approached to, to do a deal with AXA and, um, we did that. Um, in in the meantime, I had in 2009 had got my NARSO certification because I wanted to really get in and understand the, the business from from the mechanical side and the operation side. Um, even before we sold our first show contract, and was about four years from that date. So, really spent a lot of time getting getting deep into understanding the nuts and bolts of of the industry. So having the festival management background, the committee background, the chairman background, and then the NARSO background, it just blended well. And also along the way, just having great supporters and great, great team around me and, you know, supporters like the Bates family just went out of their way to, to help us grow. And, and, you know, your predecessor, Bob Johnston was just indispensable. So it's been a pretty cool ride, you know, um, didn't expect to be here. Um, it was an, it was a, a goal and an objective, but, uh, you know, you get to this point where you're 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 doing what we do. Uh, it's just a, a blessing every day. It's it's pretty cool. It's been a cool journey. Great. So you know, there's a pretty storied history of McGowan Allied Insurance that goes way back to to Duke days, if I call them that. Mm-hmm. Um, give us just a quick, I mean, a real quick summary of how it, the company has progressed to this day. It kind of did in some respects just a moment ago, um, but more importantly. Setting the vision for the future of, of where you think this company is going to go. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, it is a great story and a great, great history. I mean, you know, Allied Specialty and, and what Duke and David and, and Mary Chris and, and their whole team built uh, was a, a Goliath in this business. And they're a, you know, cornerstone of the insurance and risk management 
side of things. So, you know, there, there's no way that you can replicate or replace that. It's just how do we move on and, and move forward and, and grow and get better. And so that's really as, as, as we become a gallon allied, we're, we're completely focused. And our vision is just to become true thought leaders in this industry and working with our clients to, you know, it takes me back. I think it was, gosh, probably 2013, 14, 15. I'm not sure. I'm sitting uh, on a, on a, on a bench in a midway talking with Michael Wood for hours as, as we know, Michael, and we as love, you would, yes, <laughs> as you would. Right. Um, you know, and, and ironically, like half of my body was sunburned. Um, the other half that was shaded <laughs> wasn't, but um, you know, one of the things he talked about was, you know, if you really want to be successful at this is, is you got to work to build better clients. And so we've adopted that, that mentality and that focus is how do we consistently on a day-to-day basis, you know, as I said before, become thought leaders and work to build better clients and not that they are failing or anything like that. It's like, where do we have resources to help them become more safe, to create a culture of, of safety, to work with contracts better, to handle those unforeseen risks better so that they can go do what they do. And that's putting smiles on millions and millions of people's faces. And, you know, hopefully at the end of the day, there's more smiles and less cash in their clients' pocketbooks. And if we can help them along the way to do that, that's what our vision is. It's 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 creating a, a, a really more of an advisory role than a procurement role from an insurance perspective. Kind of sound like you're the OABA, basically. <laughs> a lot like that. Yeah. I mean, it's it goes beyond it. You know, insurance has been so transactional for years. And 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 I and I and I don't mean that to to in any way suggest that the that the, there aren't deep relationships. There are, but you know, we, we become to this age where you know you can go to Geico and change your insurance and get save 15% in 15 minutes. Well, you know, this world that we're in, this niche industry of amusements, isn't like that. And um the, the clientele, whether it's it's in the outdoor side or the uh, the fixed side, uh, you know they they need advisory. They need they need advocates and they need partners that are helping improve them day to day. And that's what you know that's what our vision is, and that's what we push our team towards every day. So, Drew, let's just go back a little bit for a second here, because you know we, we talk about the history from back from the Duke Smith days to to the present, and I have to think that. The regulatory environment has influenced um, the industry and, and and your ability to, you know, have the types of relationships that maybe Duke did where he could do a deal on the back of the envelope. But, you know, t- today uh, you're you're probably heavily regulated. And um, I'm so glad to hear the, you know, the the relationship building and the consultative type of selling that you want to do. But how much is that really? Is that really a strong influencer these days, the regulatory environment? Well, I hate to say it. It's almost a handcuffing situation and, and I get it. Okay. I understand it from a high overarching professional perspective that you have to have some regulation, uh, but it's definitely impacted it. That, you know, the days of, like you said, doing stuff on the back of an envelope or napkin just don't happen. The days of doing things completely on a handshake just aren't there. Now, you know, we still work in an industry where where you shake somebody's hand and you look them in the eye and you commit to something, you got to get it done, right? You know, and that's one of the beauties of this industry is there's people with extraordinarily high integrity that, that you can do that with. But the ability for us to be as flexible and, and not just us, but our our um, 
I, I will call them competitor partners because I think that we're all in it together in this industry. We're all faced with the same thing. So, you know, we saw this through through COVID and we saw this um, in many other things. We just, you can't operate the way that it was operated back in, in, in 1989. Um, you know, if we do that, we'll be shut down. And not that anything was done wrong. It was done in, in methods that were current with the times, but regulators have really come in and said, yeah, you can't do that. You have to have formal rating. You have to have financial processes and, and financial accountability that wasn't pressed as much or, or maybe wasn't scrutinized as much and audited as much as it was. So it's been tough, but you know, at the end of the day, it's still a relationship business and you still have to have a high amount of trust and, and, and honor and ethics in what you do. And if, if we do that, then we should be able to meet the expectations of the clients and hopefully meet the expectations of the regulars. Um, haven't been thrown in jail yet for what we do. So I'm pretty good. I'm pretty psyched about that. Yeah. Well, there's, there's no other industry that knows about regulators better than the carnival industry and right. especially the unintended consequences that comes with those regulators. So amen, I think, amen. I think, I think we understand that whole concept there. Um, we were talking a little bit earlier and, about, you know, your, your approach moving forward. And, um, you know, you had mentioned emergency, uh, emerging exposures, like a, a really comprehensive 360 approach um, to, to mitigate potential losses, I guess would be the best way to put it. Can you tell us about that program and, and what it really means to the clients when at the end of the day? Great question. I appreciate you asking that. We've really worked to, to retool and look at how we are advising clients and looking at things. We, we all got just completely side smacked by COVID, right? None of us could have anticipated a pandemic coming in and, and, and crushing the world and, and, and absolutely devastating our industry like it did. Nobody saw that coming. So as we responded and we did the many things that we did during COVID to, to help and benefit our client base, it also gave us the time, Greg, to sit back and go, okay, holy smokes, you know, this came out of left field, like a, you know, Holyfield haymaker that, that nobody saw coming. And what can we be doing better as advisors to our clients in helping them identify from a 360 degree look at their operations? What's at risk? Where are the, what could hit us? And, you know, looking at things like active shooter, Okay, you know, we had an incident at a at a fair in Oregon where we had it. We had a shooting. We've had four active shooter events in amusement parks and family fun centers over the last six months. So that's becoming a very, very real exposure that several years ago, it wasn't on anybody's radar. So looking at how do we help them train, mitigate, look at those things? How do we deal with things? Um, you know, you have been such voracious advocates when it comes to. Um, HB2 visas, okay, and employment. And we know that we have transient labor. We know that we also have summertime, part-time labor. We have young labor. Um, so what are what are we missing there? Are are we potentially, is there a gap or a blind spot for where we can hit get hit with things like discrimination, sexual harassment, wrongful termination, all of these things that could jump up and bite somebody? And then also, you know, even things that maybe folks aren't contemplating about, but they could be thinking about like perpetuation, right? So how, you know, sitting there and actually talking about perpetuation and then giving them some guidance or introduction to advisors that we have 
that can help them with that planning process. Because if that's not handled well, especially in this industry where we've got multi-generational companies and family companies, is you know, are you looking out 20 years? Are you looking out 25 years? And do you have the tools and the network to help you get there? So it's it's just sitting down with everybody and trying to look for, gosh, what are those blind spots? Rather than just saying, hey, let's protect against the you know the the uh, the Ferris wheel toppling over in a windstorm, or somebody getting you know their 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 you know teeth whacked on a on a zipper. Okay, what, whatever it is, we've got to get out of that myopic thought process of protecting the known and focus on not only the known but looking and opening our eyes to the unknown. So that's so so Drew. Let's take this right. full circle then. So um, we're talking about really a consultive, almost a consultive approach. Um, to to insurance and to to mitigate potential losses, but let's not lose the transactional part of that. Will that eventually wind up in lower premiums for your clients? It it absolutely it it will be, and it will. You know, we're in a tough world right now. Not only are we dealing with the pandemic and all the other stuff, and and the opening and the and the you know the shutting down of shows, the open, reopening of shows. Um, we're in a hard market with insurance because of the financial world and. That that is what now going on now. So it's I hate to say it, it's a seller's market. The insurance companies are unilateral. I mean, not unilaterally across the board. Not not just us, but our competitor partners out there are raising rates. They're restricting coverage, etc. What you're going to find is that those clients that are better prepared through, you know, for best in class operations, great loss history, looking at these this approach of 360 degree risk management, they are going to be deemed a more favorable operation in the eyes of the underwriters as we continue to go forward. And that's ultimately going to result in lower rates, lower premiums. And candidly, that's part of that whole build a better client process. We want to, as crazy as it sounds, Greg, we want to engineer out as much as we can the need for insurance. And and it, it sounds oxymoronic because that's what our business is. But if we do our job really well with our clients and advise them to reduce their risk and reduce reduce their reliance on the insurance industry, the more stability they're going to have and the more control they are going to have in the pricing and their rate structure. And, And that's the partnership is getting everybody to buy in to realize that you do have control in your rate structure and pricing, but it's all in your operational habits. And so how do we help you have better operational habits to get you there? So, yeah, you know, whatever we can do to help train them, build them, work with them, collaborate to drive down that pricing. And all of those things we talked about is going to help that in the long run. Yeah, that's that's great. And I, I'm beginning to see why we align so well with, with McCowan Allied and yeah. the OABA, because we're really on a parallel track here. Indeed. Uh, we're we're kind of getting close to the bewitching hour on time here, but um I'll finish on something which is a perfect segue. Your company has always been a really strong supporter of the OABA, and I'm getting an appreciation as to why. Um, We're trying to make our association more relevant to our members, more contemporary. From your point of view, from your perch, what suggestions do you have that can raise that OABA to the next level and provide that level of benefits to our members that they really deserve? Great, great question, Greg. I appreciate it. I've had the the fortune of since 2013 uh, managing uh, an insurance program in collaboration partnership with IAPA. So I've had the this whole process and thought process and dealing with them on a fixed park basis. And so, you know, as you as you talk about 
what an organization can do. And this is not being comparative to IAPA. This is looking at what IAPA, like OABA can do. You know, I applaud you for your voracious advocacy for the HB2 program, okay? You know, um, getting down into DC and everything you guys are doing is, is absolutely amazing. That is is paramount. We've got to continue to advocate for the industry. The other thing is, is your, your, your move towards education and your collaboration with NARSO is, is a strong, strong move. And I think that as you continue to pro- provide advocacy and access to education, okay, access to those opportunities that allow the members of the OAB to become better, right? Operationally, from a safety perspective, um, financial education, um, all of those things, the more you can offer the association members, the better. And I, and I see, you know, just great strides in, in that process. The other thing that I, I, I'd say is, you know, is if we look at all of what I would call the MNS community, the manufacturers and suppliers to the OABA, is how can they, we collaborate with the OABA to create affinity programs for members? So whether it's buying of Coke products or it's buying of, you know, Frito-Lay products, you, you pick buying of, buying of plush, whatever it may be, is are there opportunities that OABA can use their leverage as the 800-pound gorilla as the advocating association in creating affinity relationships for the organization? Because at the end of the day, the members are paying dues and it comes down to what is that value proposition? So the more the organization can continue to do built upon the advocacy, education, and then affinity programs, I think that that's going to ultimately help the uh, membership through uh, through the next decade and beyond. Just, you know, my humble opinion, but, um, you know, it, it's a great organization. It's got a great lineage. Um, proud to have been a, a part of it for years. We are really proud to support the OAB at the level we do, and we we look forward to even even deeper involvement as we go forward. And you know, trying to help push the agenda of education and, you know, I've repeated it a dozen times, but education and advocacy. No, and and I, we really appreciate that support, Drew. And, and I, I think you, we're on the right course um, because not only not only safety, but the overall picture of the carnival and what we can do to make it better. And we're, we're actually at this time, you know, contemplating some consultant services, even free consultant services to our members to have someone go through their through their operation and make suggestions for improvement in a multitude of ways. Kind of like the circle of excellence without applying for the circle of excellence. Is it maybe it's a precursor. So I think we're kind of heading in that direction. And and that's great that you you kind of supported that same same level of thinking, if you would. Yeah. Amen. That's just I think that's the, the direction is let's let's together make everybody better. Absolutely. And so uh, enjoyed the conversation. It's one of those yeah, right on. that, it's one of those ones that could have gone on for a lot longer, but we try to keep these short so so that our listeners uh, can appreciate the, the brevity of it and move on with their day. And um, to down the road, Drew, we'll probably have you back for, for another conversation. But uh, for today, thank you for joining us and uh, signing off from this edition of Around the Carousel, circling our industry with the OABA. This is Greg Chico. Have a good day. Thank you for joining us for Around the Carousel, an OABA production. To learn more about the Outdoor Amusement Business Association and its mission to promote and preserve the growth of the outdoor amusement industry through leadership, advocacy, and education, please visit us at oaba.org and join us to put the OABA to work. 
for you.